All right, very good. Uh, I spoke, <clears throat> excuse me, last Sunday at the men's retreat, so if I make any mention of men, guys, um, it's just muscle memory, it's going to pass. So this really is for everyone, and, uh, and it's for me as well. So today I want to talk about living water, and I want to encourage us and, and plead to the church to not settle for anything less than living water in your life. Don't settle for anything less than living water in your life. Now, water is super important. Super important. Just a little bit about water. We can go 30, 40, 50 days without food. How long can we go without water? Anybody know off the top of their head? How long? Hmm? Three days? Yeah, 100 hours. 100 hours, a doctor says. That's kind of the point. Uh, you want to be drinking then. Um, that's 4.2 days um, if you break it into days. And that's under ideal conditions. Not too hot, not too cold, probably sitting, not moving, or thinking very much. Right? Water is super important. I got some stats from UNICEF. UNICEF does a lot of humanitarian work. In 2015, 663 million people were without adequate water. Adequate being uh, enough or safe. 663 million people. They spent 132 million U.S. dollars in 2014 setting up proper water. 75 million in sanitation. This is just one corporation. Every day, women and girls spend 200 million hours walking to collect water for their families. That's 8.3 million days. That's 6K a day. So six kilometers a day just for water. Okay, how far is six kilometers? Think of it this way. If your only water supply after church today was at McDonald's, you would, you would get out of the service today, you would walk to McDonald's, you would pick up your water, and you would walk back, and that would be the average commute for your water for many of these people. That's, that's, that's a long ways. That's far. All the way to McDonald's. The youth are doing this challenge not to call the youth out, but they're doing this challenge this week about using the furthest water supply in their home. Right? That, that's what was given to you guys, right? A challenge has to be received, I suppose. But Darian was saying, why don't you use the, the furthest water supply in your home? So that's not quite six kilometers a day, but I'm sure it's a good start. Water is a big deal, church. It, water is our life. It's our provision it's our future. And today, water is the perfect picture for the life and truth and blessing that God has for each of us in Jesus Christ. This idea of flourishing, of survival, of sustenance and provision, of satisfaction. God is all of those things and He wants us to see Him that way. A funny illustration... Because we can get it wrong. 
our search for sustenance and our search for provision and desire can lead us down all sorts of crazy paths. I was about, I don't know, 10 years old, probably old enough to know better, but I saw this container, it was like a bucket on the counter, and it was filled with this beautiful lime Kool-Aid. I love lime-flavored Kool-Aid, and I thought, how did I get so lucky that it's just sitting there? Here I am, here's the picture, it's fate. It's right there. I can just enjoy this beautiful lime Kool-Aid. Except that it was a Saturday and it was cleaning day. And that wasn't lime Kool-Aid. Life is full of substitutes. I drank enough to know it was cleaning solution. I should have stopped. I'm just kidding. But everyone's like, that's why you're, yes, that's why. That's why. But the world is full of counterfeit solutions. Things that look like the real thing, that sound like the real thing, that promote themselves as the real thing, and they come up empty and poisonous and disastrous and unfulfilling time and time again. But initially, they look so similar. They promise things that are so similar. Like cleaning solution that looks like delicious lime Kool-Aid. My question for us today as we begin is, Calvary Chapel, what are you settling with in your life? If God wants that perfect full abundant satisfaction he wants your hearts he wants every bit of your hearts every room of your hearts to fill them to satisfy them to complete these rooms to paint every wall to to really come into your home to be a part he wants so much for you and you're made to have it he wants to supply the very thing that your heart in its deepest desire demands But where are we settling? Where have we settled for something that's not quite God? The thing I want to say today is the Lord has given us the real thing in himself. And he never wants us to settle. And we never have to. We never have to settle for less than all that Jesus has for us. Let me read for you Jeremiah 2. If we could get that on. Jeremiah 2, 9 to 13. We're going to be in most of the chapter of Jeremiah 2. We're going to be in John 4 if you want to put a finger there. Therefore I contend with you. This is the prophet Jeremiah um, speaking to the nation of Israel in Judah. And he says to them, Therefore I contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your children's children, I contend. Serious. If God is contending with the people, that is a serious thing. He wants their full attention. You need to hear me what I'm saying to you people of Israel. For cross to the coasts of Cyprus and sea, or send to Kedar and examine with care. 
See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods even though there are no gods? Has this ever happened before? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. There is so much going on in these few verses. That Now... I have to talk about the broken cisterns. I'm sorry, that, that's a big part of the verse. I would like to just focus on living water, but, but I have to talk a little bit about broken cisterns. See, if we don't know how broken the cistern is, we don't actually have a good appreciation of the living water that we're meant to have in its stead. We think, well, this is just what life's supposed to be, but it didn't start that way. We... We have to understand the depths that we've gone in order to really live and take hold of the freedom that we have. So there's a little bit of ugly, but I hope that that's not going to be the overwhelming theme in this message. The first thing I want to say is just the grief of God in a people so easily satisfied with anything else. Isn't that true? So easily satisfied with anything else not picky we just want anything else it's this heart of of rejection making our own way the people wanted to make their own way it says the people are guilty of two things rejecting god and replacing god it was a put down a turn away, and a take hold of something else. Both very significant. Now, a cistern, we don't hear a lot about cisterns. We don't even hear hear a lot about wells. I forget I have a well until I have to pay my share of that well every January or every December. And I'm always like, why is this person coming to ask for money? That's right, I have a well. But we don't, wells are not a general thing. Now, he's talking about cisterns. A lot of homes had cisterns. They were pear-shaped they collected water from springs under the water, under the ground, sorry, or from rain from the sky. They would collect this water, and this would be the water supply that they would draw from. A cistern. Jeremiah knew cisterns very well. He was thrown into a cistern, luckily without any water, in Jeremiah 38. So at the writing, he was probably like, yeah, that's a good picture of what an idol might be. He knew a cistern very well. When God says cistern, through Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 2, he is talking about the idols of the people. Idolatry. This has been an issue for Israel long before Jeremiah. It started all the way on Mount Sinai. When Moses took too long to come back down, he was up there 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time. And the people started to get antsy. The people started to wonder and fear. They needed something 
with them to lean on. Something to depend on. Isn't that true? If God has not answered us, if God is seeming distant at the moment, if God is seeing like He's not answering my prayers the way that I thought, I just need something. Just something to depend on. I need a source. The cistern was a source. An adulterous source. How often do we think God doesn't care though? I think idols can become such a problem for us because we forget the whole grief that we cause in the Lord in them. Men and women. If you said to your spouse, I was thinking of getting a girlfriend or boyfriend on the side. This, this, this is what it is. I was thinking of getting a girlfriend or boyfriend on the side. Just on the side. You got me Monday to, or Sunday to Friday, you got me. Friday to Saturday, or whatever, I'm getting lost. Friday to, anyways. You got me six days of the week. Okay, six days a week, but my girlfriend or boyfriend gets that seventh day. Now, what if you said this doesn't change anything between you and I, though? We're still good. No, 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 no. We got problems. We're, we're still good, though. What's the big deal? Okay, and the people of Israel thought this. We think this, that six days of the week, God, I am faithful, but the seventh day, why are you getting so upset about that? This doesn't get in the way of you and me. Exclusive relationships. God is looking for an exclusive relationship. Our spouse is looking for an exclusive relationship. Not shared But I, I, I just suspect, and maybe it's just in my life, that we, we assume we're still exclusive God, even though I'm running to these other things. But God doesn't see it that way. Listen to the language of the Lord in just various parts of Jeremiah 2. He says in Jeremiah 2, 2, Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride. How you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of the harvest. God was always about an exclusive relationship with Israel, He was about an intimacy with His people, He was about walking closely, lovingly, and He, he always saw His people as His bride. And running to an idol, it's, it's, it's going against that loving, intimate covenant that Jesus and God have for us. It's not simply an add-on. Because we're choosing something else other than the Lord in those moments. 
And here's the danger with our idols or our broken cisterns, okay? If you think of a cistern or a well, if you think of that well, when do you know that that is not the well that you were hoping to find? When you've tried to draw from it. That well will look exactly like any other well until you go to draw from it. And that's where the problem comes in. My wife laughs at this, but I got this thing for bears. The bigger, the better. I just love bears. I want to watch things about bears. I want to, I don't know, I don't know. I'm probably going to get attacked by a bear just because. You're like, you want this? All right, here's the quail. But like, polar bears starve half the year. Probably more with all that global warming, but, okay? And, and a polar bear has to make a very specific decision every time it sees a seal. Because they're almost starving. The decision is, can I count on killing this thing and getting the calories, or am I going to waste the calories I don't have to lose and miss it and be more starved than before? That's how broken and starving the bear is. If it misses its shot at a kill, I know this is crazy sermon talk, but if it misses its shot, its shot at a kill, it is in, it's in deep starvation reserves. It can't afford to not be successful. And church, we walk around so in need of the Lord through life and our relationships through struggles and pain and warfare, we walk along so desperate of the Lord that we cannot afford to go to the well and draw up empty. We can't afford that. And our idols are doing that all the time. It takes every last bit of energy to draw down. And it... and that was my one shot. And now the kids are awake. And now I've got to go to work. And I don't have anything to show for it. And I'm so thirsty. I'm so in need. And i got nothing. Stinking horrible idols that take all of our energy and give us nothing in return. Idols, you hear this. Different things, they overpromise, they underdeliver. But this is a message for the church. This isn't a message for unbelievers. Verse 11 in chapter 2, Jeremiah says, Has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. You had me. And you moved away. You left. The word is apostasy, the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. I believe God looks at our idols and he says, you, 
You left me for that? Got all this going on here and you left me for that? You got like 10 minutes of feeling better there. But Calvary, the heart of God is to fully satisfy his people. Yes, he is grieved when we run to other things. Yes, he is grieved when we settle. But his desire, his deepest desire is to satisfy and fulfill his people. Verse 13 says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. You see, living water is the source of the cistern. He's not saying, you've forsaken me for a better holder of something that is pleasurable and satisfying. He's saying, you've forsaken me for the very thing which I am, which is satisfying. God doesn't say of himself, I know of living waters. He says, I am fully made of these living waters. I am what you're looking for. I don't have it. I am it. He refers to himself as the fountain of living waters. Because God wants his people to be satisfied in him through faith. And this is why it's so grievous when we, when we reject the Lord. Because we're not just rejecting something he has for us. We're rejecting him. For many different reasons. Just like the Israelite people, just like Mount Sinai, just like different times in the desert, just like being surrounded by so many foreign gods, just like needing to depend on a prophet or a seer or something like that that God spoke through, we don't think that God is going to provide. Or more often, we don't think that God's going to provide in the way that we want him to or the timing that we want him to. And so this draw to go outside of God's plan, to go into our own desires, we, we want to make something happen. Our idols, we get to drive the, the train. We get to steer the ship in our idols, or so we think. We get to take action. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. I don't like to have to depend on somebody's better plan than mine. Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Walk closely with God. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But yet we prefer other things. Many of us are parents. What if your child was playing in the backyard and they hurt themselves very badly and you seeing this by looking out the window can see that they're hurt. You see they get on, they're on the ground, they're crying. You see them get up. You see them run to the house. You go, okay, it's dad time. Here we go. Big hug, going to make it better. It's going to be awesome. And you run out to meet them. And they kind of stiff arm you. And they say, not right now, Dad. I just got to get to the video games. My knee's hurting really bad. I got to get to the TV. 
the stiff arm. Who's been stiff armed by their child when they're hurting? It's the self-reliance that we think is freedom, but it ends in slavery. There was this story uh, that I saw on my phone. Every good story comes from your phone or something like that. This grandma, anybody, I don't know if anybody saw this, but this grandma was on this iceberg in Iceland. Crazy, I know, but, and she's on the shore Okay, and she calls it this ice throne, okay? So she's sitting on this ice throne. Obviously, it's time for pictures. Until the sea swept her out. So now it's a floating ice throne, all right? And it worked out okay. There was another tourist with a boat, and they hauled her back. But isn't this this perfect idea of this freedom that we're looking for? We don't want to be bound up by God's ways, we want to make our own path. And so we sit on this ice throne and get swept off to sea and we've lost control. It's a funny picture. But it does a lot of damage in our lives. Because without the Lord, we're controlled by our emotions. We're controlled by our hurts, our lies, our addictions. We are controlled by those things. God is wanting to lead us to guide us, to take us by the hand. Not as a controller, but as a Lord. And what happened to the house of Israel? There was major consequences for this. The city was brought to ruin. The Babylonians came, took over, took the people away. There's consequences for our sins. There's consequences for our self-reliance. God is loving us enough to keep us accountable. He's loving the people of Israel enough to keep them accountable. So think about this. I asked you right at the beginning, think about that thing that you've gone to that's empty. Think about that, but also think about what have been some of the results of that. Who's come and raided your city because of your self-reliance on idols? God's consequences are the same today. His desire to bring us back into right fellowship with Him, it's the same today. But consider those things. God is good, He is faithful, He is patient, He is generous, but He loves us enough to tell us that's that's enough. And yet He points Israel to a better day, a greater day. Isaiah 12 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength, my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. This is the heart of God and the deepest desires of his people. And he does that through the mercy of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ becomes that living water inside of us. 
no longer something that we have to go after, but something that is in us. John 4 talks about Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Now, Jews and Samaritans aren't supposed to talk. That's not something they do generally. They are rival street gangs after all. Like rival, like Catholic, Protestant, Northern Ireland, rivals, okay? All right, because in the captivity of Israel, they mixed, the Samaritans mixed with the people that came to take over. And the Jewish people that were in exile thought, you can't come back after that. And they were, by Jesus' time, at the time of the well, these were, these were separate, separate people. And the lady was so, that's why the lady was so perplexed. How are you, how are you going to ask me to, you don't even think I should drink. How are you going to ask me to take, get water for you, right? And so a lot of us know the story. Jesus comes, he sits down, he's weary. And he says, would you draw me a drink of water? And they get to talking about water. And Jesus, always wanting to go to level five with people, says, you know, if, if you're so concerned with water, I've got some water for you. I call it living water. Would you like some of this living water? He says this in John four thirteen. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, the water from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up in eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus is taking her from this this temporary conversation to this deep, significant substance, the very thing that he came for, that he could provide living water for people, that they wouldn't have to go search. Jesus is this true substance. Jeremiah talks about this as well. He says, I will put my law within them. This is God. I will write it on their hearts. This is the end of Jeremiah 2, the same chapter. You know, we give prophets a bad name because they're always hammering on the people of Israel. But there are so many promises of God in that. Yes, there are consequences for people that have gone astray. But our God is full of promises. He's full of reconciliation. He is full of redemption. And it's right there. It says in verse 31, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, I know the Lord for they shall all Know me. God is setting up shop through Jesus to have this water, living water in, by faith, each one of his believers. See, God's people had rejected him. They'd sought out what was man-made. They'd sought out what they could control, what they could touch and hold, what they could work with. They thought they could be free. Free to seek after the pleasures and satisfaction. But the wells of idolatry, as we've talked about, are dry. And we've all abandoned our God for them. All of us have abandoned God for dry wells, for leaking wells, for
for stinky wells. We all have. But here is the mercy of God in Christ. Saying, you rejected me and I was patient. You rejected me further and I sent discipline. You rejected me further and I came and sought you out. I came and put myself in you. I have placed myself in the void in your heart. We've been born with a hole in our heart, each one of us. And God so badly wants to fill that for us. Jesus is offering and is giving us living water. Water that we will never be thirsty again. So what is there for us to do? I believe we all want this. Firstly, we need to simply ask Him. That sounds really obvious. Like, good one, Matt. Good application. We should ask God to fill us with His living water. But asking's not that simple. I don't think we ask enough. Sometimes waiting is the hardest part. I think asking is the hardest part. The woman said, Sir, give me this water that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw this water. He said that in verse 15. Are we thirsty for God? Are we thirsty for the substance that He provides, that only He provides? Have we asked Him? We asked him to fill us, to satisfy us. Secondly, we need to receive him in faith. Again, this sounds really obvious. Ask him to to fill you with living water and then enjoy the living water. But it's not, we don't do it all the time. We have these things around us and we're not always using it. You know, I, I got this weird thing i don't know it's maybe it's about the cleaning solution that i drank when i earlier on i don't know but i'll buy new clothes and then i won't wear them like four months six months they're just sitting in the closet i don't know why tags on everything i'm like yeah it's i needed a new shirt but if i wear it then i'm gonna have to start wearing it i know i know Yeah, what's up with that? Break the, cycle. I, break the cycle, that's right. Okay? That sounds crazy. You guys are all judging me. In love. For the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's good. Okay? If that's all you got to judge me for, that's cool. It's crazy that I do that. But how often are we surrounded by the very depths of God? We've asked Him, He's provided, and we've left it on the coat hanger with the tag on it saying, that's going to be really awesome one day. You're laughing at me, but I'm talking about all of us, all right? So this, okay? We have to ask Him to fill us We have to receive him when he does fill us. We have to go to him again and again. We need to confess to him our idols. We need to call our idols what they are. We need to give them up. 
Jesus so beautifully says to the woman at the well, when she says, yeah, give me that water. I want that water. He's like, super, let's talk about this. Okay, go to your husband and tell him to come here. Maybe he wants the living water too. Trap, that's a trap. That is a big Jesus trap. The woman said, I have no husband. Okay, we've got to go a little deeper here. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands. And the one you're living with right now isn't even your husband. Jesus, would you come and fill me? Jesus, would you come and satisfy me? Jesus, would you help me to be satisfied? And Jesus, would you expose every single idol in my life and call them out by name? We have to give them up. Jesus, I'm putting this before you. And you know when we're able to do that? When we've asked him to come and be God. When we've asked him to fully satisfy us. When we're drawing on his strength. When we're putting on his power. And now he says, good. Let's start working on some of these big distractions. Lastly, we want to know him in spirit and in truth. The end of John in chapter 4 says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. Jesus there again is talking about that you don't need to go somewhere to meet with God. You don't have to make a long travel to go to a well that is satisfying, that is full of water. That water is going to be within you. Through faith in Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The hour is coming, and you know here that the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. David Mathis from Desiring God says this about that. He says, truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy. And a church full or half full of artificial admirers. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. God's wanting well rounded followers of Him, God's wanting us to know Him intellectually and to know Him. Emotionally, He's wanting to know us in our head and in our heart. We're often saying, the head knowledge hasn't gotten to my heart yet. But God is saying, worship me in spirit and in truth. By the spirit within you, the living water. This well is never found wanting. It's never disappearing. It's always going to be there. You're always going to be satisfied and it's never going to be tapped out, this well of living water. Are we in prayer meetings these days? Are we in the Word? We have, we have Bible reading challenges. We heard a great one just now. 
It says you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him what? Drink, right? Guys, we got lots of water kicking around. It's like right in you. Okay? Are we bucking at drinking? We have so many resources. God has given us so many resources. We have more resources than we've ever had. But you got to go to it. you got to drink deeply. God's not going to just fill you and overflow you on its own with you not doing anything. You have to be willing. You have to go for it. He wants our relationships to be fertile because of this. Proverbs 10, 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Would our colleagues and family and kids and friends say, Boy, when that guy or girl talks, it's just life. I just feel better. God's wanting it to play out like that. Let me just leave you with one quote. It's a, it's a wonderful quote. I've butchered it all the time, but this is the official quote from Paul Newman. I love Paul Newman just from this quote, but. When asked about the temptations of being a movie star and if that caused any issues in his personal life, he gave this reply. This is the heart of the message. This is the heart of God's plea for his people. Paul Newman said, I have steak at home. Why would I go out for a hamburger? This is God's desire for us. I have steak at home. Why would I go for a hamburger? Christians, we have the freshest, coldest, cleanest water at home. In our hearts. Through Jesus. By faith. Fully available. Always there. Always refreshing. Why would we go drink out of the ditch? Lord, help us. I don't know. So, Greg, if you would. Calvary, would you stand with me, please? pray father god we give you what was said we give you your word we give you your plea to us to not be satisfied with the temporary with the fleeting with the empty with the broken lord i pray that in your love and by your spirit you would reveal to us the things that we are drawing water from unsuccessfully, that are exhausting us, that are making us drier and weaker and sicker. Because you've made us for so much more. You've made us to be a fountain of living water through your Holy Spirit that would never run dry, that would never let us down, that would pour out into the world around us. And Lord, you know where we've settled. So we give you those things, Jesus. 
On one hand, we give you those things, all the things that we've settled with. You know in each of our hearts what it is. And we hold up through Jesus the living water that is, that doesn't have to try and be or lead us to. He is that living water, the spirit within us. Lord, we hold that up and we say, Lord, help us to trust you more deeply with our hunger and our thirst. Lord, help us to run to you. Help us to cultivate deep waters that we can draw from through your word through prayer, through worship, through godly community. And Lord, help us to be honest with you. God, this is the thing that I'm putting in front of you. And I've showed no power to change it. Would you do what I can't do? And would you cause up to have living waters flowing out of me? In a way that I could never imagine and would never want to live without. Lord, we thank you for your truth and we thank you for your desperation. You want us to hear this. Not to stop and feel bad about the things that we've chosen over you, but to look and see at all that you're offering us. Lord, take us through. Take us into the next steps, we pray. Amen.